With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello and welcome to Footballistically Arsenal. I am Boyd Hilton. I am joined as ever by sidekick Josh Landy, resplendent in his Her House style office and his scotch and soda jumper. Hi, Josh. Tremendous to be here, Boyd. Very excited to be here. And I'm very excited you, you've brought with you today a brand new guest for us. Brand new guest. Uh, a rare treat. A truly talented uh, person who I've been meaning to get on the podcast for ages and ages, months if not years, because every time I see her we talk about Arsenal, as well as her fantastic professional achievements. She is a screenwriter of such excellent TV dramas as Blood and Hollington Drive. We we have Sophie Petzl on the podcast. Hi, Sophie. Hello. It's really nice to be here. Thank you, guys. Pleasure. Thanks for thanks for joining us. I bumped into you at BAFTA, no less, last yep. week, um, which was we, the main impetus. Are, are we allowed to say what we were watching? Because uh, I, I don't yeah. know how to deal with embargoes. <laughs> I think we're allowed to say we were at a screening of Litvinenko, Josh, mm. which is a wow. new... Yeah, it's a new uh, drama telling the terrifying true story of the poisoning of... I assumed that from the title. Yeah, Yeah, I I suspect it had a link. I I didn't think it was like a potential signing that we might be looking at in the next transfer window. It seemed unlikely. (laughs) Uh, I don't think even... Yeah, I don't think Livinenko is going to join Arsenal anytime soon. No. But um, have you, have, have, you two ever been, have you ever been to an Arsenal game together? Then do you ever have like? Because I know you get invited by the big dogs in TV, like when you know All or Nothing was being made. You were straight into the, hmm. you know, into the Amazon box quicker than anyone could have. Oh wow! Possibly invited you. Do you get similar Once. offers, Sophie? Once, Sophie, I got into the. I was in the Amazon box. No, I get no such joy. I have a very close colleague who frequently gets invited to a very, very fancy person's box and he's not even an Arsenal fan and it drives me nuts. And I'm like, when are you oh. going to invite me? And he's like, you wouldn't like the banter. And I'm, <laughs> I'm just like, oh, there's just like, there's just a whole vice documentary of wow. like misogynistic abuse going on up there probably. But I'd, <laughs> oh God, I'd, right. I'd, I'd go for it anyway. I would put up with it to sit up there just for once. You know what I mean? Wow, wow. Um, yeah, so Where do you usually sit, Sophie? Where can we usually find you? 
I'm at club level. I just heard Boyd. Did you say you're there as well? I, mm. I, I, we're not. Where, I'm, at the, I'm west side. I'm the west stand. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, I think I'm east. I'm 59, block 59. Yeah, I'm um, 80, 83. Um, oh, so. I probably couldn't be further away. Yeah, yeah. Boyd, no, you, and it, you, you might get stalkers, Boyd. No, you're giving your, your block I mean, away. That's fine. That's fine. If that one's never stalk, go ahead. I've never yet recognised anybody in the... Um, I sorry, like I'd recognise a stalker, but like I, I, I'm, I'm more concerned about bumping into people that I want to avoid, um, and uh, I don't, I have never yet recognised anybody in my stand or in that in that block. So hopefully it's fine. But um, yeah, that is that costs an arm and a leg. But it's a bit like, yeah. I mean, I've only I've ever fl- been flown business class once in my life, but I feel like once you've done it. Yeah. You, you can never unsee it. Like you go back to economy or what you can afford, and you're like, "This yeah, is miserable." Exactly. I remember yeah, what it was. I wish I'd never yeah, seen the land of milk. Club Atlantic. level is the club level is the upper class, yeah. Of uh, <laughs> it's I business class football. Business class, yeah. Maybe it's like Virgin's um, premium economy because I guess the boxes are up. But I don't like the, yeah, the, the, yeah I don't like the boxes because you're you're um, too you're removed. Taken away. Too removed, exactly. Too removed. And I'd say, Plus, like, oh, go on, sorry, boy. No, plus plus full of misogynistic banter, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> the I mean the um sometimes I say the atmosphere in club level is a little lacking, but um but I the tr- it's a good trade-off for me to have like the really nice food. And I I just I go to so many football matches, I go to a lot of women's football matches, and sort of the quality of the football grounds um vary wildly. And um I if and after a whole summer of going to Wembley and the Amex for for the Lionesses, if I never see those concrete fucking dugouts ever again, <laughs> uh, it will be too, like it will be none too soon. So I'm just always delighted to walk up those stairs and be handed a free uh be handed a free program and buy some chips and get a free pint at halftime. I just it's my it's my it's my temple. I love it. Oh yeah, brilliant. Yeah. Um and, and you do we should also say you also play football quite frequently, don't you? What I kind do. of level are you playing football at? Not a great one. I I I I play uh sort of well, we we like non-league, 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 deep non-league, not even Sunday league, um, because okay. that's too much of a commitment for a lot of 30-year-old women with jobs. Um so we sort of play in this uh friendly league called Clapham's Clapham Women's Friendly League or something like that. It's not particularly friendly. Um Okay. Uh, uh, made made evident by the number of injuries we're currently sporting as a side, but I play like we play twice a, uh, two matches a month um, with that. That's an eleven aside, and I play a lot of five and seven aside, and I also play mixed five aside. So I play way too much football, and hence why I am now carrying a uh, meniscus cartilage injury, and I'm literally having an operation on it in two days' time. So just call me Ben Chilwell, Ben Chilwell, <laughs> and leave me out of the World Cup squad. Um, yeah, so, you yeah. are the Ben Shewell of, of our a, uh, podcast. That's a serious injury. We wish you well. Uh, thank you. Yeah, it's not it's not fantastic. Um, and I've done it in a weird spot as well. It's right on the edge of the knee. It's like come off the joint or something gross. Like that. I don't really understand it, but apparently they can fix it. <laughs> right. It's a good right. thing you are in club level. When you come back in January, February, you'll need that extra leg room that you uh, get in club level. Yeah, well, if I've timed it well, I mean, they said to me, but they'll always say this. They'll say like, "Oh, you'll be playing twelve weeks after after the operation," and I'm like, "This is perfect." So I've timed this with this international break perfectly, so I shouldn't miss mm-hmm. any club football. I shouldn't be able to, like, I shouldn't have to sell my um, my ticket once. All being well, um, yeah, because at the minute sitting quite cramped is quite painful. So, um, and I have to sort of sit with my like man spreading in my seat and go, sorry, I've got an injury, please. Um, but yeah, no, I think they'd look after you in club level. You'd probably be like offered, uh, 
they have all sorts of like comfort rooms and and um oh, and yeah, different yeah. spaces for people with different needs and accessibilities and stuff so yeah they you do, probably yeah. you probably get looked after <laughs> you definitely get looked after yeah Where, which position do you play when you're playing 11 aside um center back or like defense oh, generally okay. i've started like ben white started being pivoted out to right back not right. because i'm not because i've got a pinpoint pass or tricks on the ball but just because i can run really fast uh that's the only yeah. thing i have any sort of quality at is i can i've always been a fast runner so yeah i'll just keep hoofing it forward and chasing after it and um, then get to the box and sky it and um they're like why is she there um so yeah center back is sort of the bread and butter but i've been enjoying being ben whited a little bit recently. I bet. What about that pass? I mean, talking of Ben White, oh. that pass. Well, that was the highlight of the game, wasn't it? Really. I mean, Jesus. apart from the goals. Yeah. Oh, it was. It was something else. And, um, and I was watching. So I was actually at our football club social that night oh, okay. at Toka Social at the O2 Arena, which is um, it's like flight club if you know what that is, like darts, but for football. Yeah. So you just fire a football at like a screen and you play all these sort of games, but I couldn't do it because uh, um, I'm injured. So I yeah. sat like granny in front of her programs at the bar where my friends were playing, watching them, but also with the phone on with Sky Sports on watching the game. So that they were <laughs> just leaving me there looking after everybody's handbags, watching the game. And I had a fantastic <laughs> time. So I was sort of loosely watching it, but you know, you just don't absorb the level of detail. Um, yeah. But so but all I could really detect was this felt like a fairly flat game where everybody was protecting themselves from serious injury. Um, I didn't really know what the hell happened to Granite Jacker, but it just sounded like he had the shits. Um, but a couple, <laughs> Basically. A couple, yeah. But a couple of fantastic moments. Well, the goals, but the pass from Ben White to Gabriel Jesus and just Gabriel Jesus's commitment and consistency yeah. and talent anyway. Yeah. Even though the goals sort of don't come he's he's consistent in his like quality um 100 yeah which yeah, is you can't say that for a lot of our former strikers no josh you were there weren't you you were at the at the at the wolves at the wolves at molyneux boy yes yeah yes, very much yeah. at molyneux not in club level in what is possibly the least appealing away end anyway just to get in it is again a bit like Selhurst Park very narrow and you're spread out across the entire side of a stadium and it's only like 15 rows in total so your ability to get an atmosphere going is is quite majorly impacted so not the not the not the favorite away end but I I did really we had a great time I particularly was uh, delighted with the parking I chose, pre-booking the parking, excellent car park, worked that all out, where are we going to want to get away? Um, well got away very quickly, drove up in the electric car, but timed it, it worked out where we're charging the car. So logistically, I was delighted with with everything about it. And we won, which was obviously a small bonus from the, the whole event as well. But do you know what I'm feeling, Boyd, right now? I've been thinking about this today. When, mm. when we like last won a title, not saying we're going to win a title, but we are in contention. We are five to two or a bit less to win a title. When we last won a title in 2004, so I was 17, 18 that, that season. And I sort of had only known Arsenal to be really good because if you go back a few years before that to 2002 or 1998, these are all just, we were never very long out of a title race from an age where I understood it. Watching this team now, having had 18 years of, of not winning a title. Yes, we were in a race twice, pre-2008, 2016. It means so much more because you've had all these years of, of not enjoying it. And I, and I mm. wonder to put to you, what was it the same as we got to the end of the 1980s? And I don't mean this to highlight yeah. the fact that we're a bit different in age, but did you have similar? Because there was that period from the early 70s 
through the 80s where, you know, th- there was a similar wait for a title. Hopefully it'll be a similar wait this time. Yeah, very much so. I mean, you know, there's a reason why Nick Hornby's book Fever Pitch, which is about that the 1989 season, um, works so well. I, I mean, one of the greatest books ever written, uh, because um, it, it because it's all about how Arsenal were painfully bad for a long period, um, and even when we, well, we got some success in the cups, like 79 Cup Final, etc. Um, but for large periods, yeah, in the late 70s, early 80s, we were terrible and played terrible football as well um, for long periods of time. So the 1989 season, yeah, when, when I was, um, how old was I? I was like 18, 19 or whatever. It was, unbe- it was almost unbelievable how exciting it was. Yeah, I think probably more so than now, because now... We've all we've all experienced we've all been through to to lesser or greater extent the the Wenger period of of success. So I think that feels more recent in our memory um, somehow. Uh, but yeah, this is this is just unbelievable, Sophie. I mean, this for you you are you're a younger person than me as well, but you obviously have an awareness of Arsenal history, and this mm. this d- does feel like something coming out of it. Just feels very very soon much sooner than we expected doesn't it that we we've achieved this level of excellence already i think so. i think so um i'm always so cagey and so oh let's see let's see and I, I i never really decide whether something's going well until it's over and that yes that went well that went well whereas what and i i'm very bad at sort of enjoying the moment but i do i mean it felt like when we were buying in all these 22-year-olds and 21-year-olds who had incredible talent, that at some point that was going to work, um, that the thing counting against them was experience and grit. And that once you sort of added that, like, you know, the ability to pull a win out of a loss or the ability to, like, keep a draw or win when you're playing terribly, I always think is, you know, something that good teams have that we lacked was if we're playing badly, we'll lose. Um, and it just felt like a matter of time before the 22-year-olds and 21-year-olds turned 23, 24 and started to play with that maturity and that physicality and that experience. And I think adding Zinchenko, adding Gabriel Jesus, players who've, you know, it's such a sort of pundit trope, isn't it? But like, we'll have experience of winning. Mm-hmm. But um, you, yeah. I feel like you can see it. But it's it's not just that. It's having, it always felt like we had this creative flair coming up the wings and the midfield, even if the likes of Odegaard and can't really say Saka because he's always consistent, but like, yeah, our, our central midfield players like could be inconsistent. Odegaard, you know, was benched for a lot of his first season. Emil Smith-Rowe, mm. it felt like even when we're not firing 100% of the time, we have ability across the middle and the wing of the wings of the park to get the ball up into the box. And then we were just left with Aubameyang, who could only fire off his left foot on the left side of the box um, when the moon was in alignment with Venus. And um, it just, <laughs> and, and Alaka would sort of try hold up play and could be quite physical and could be quite ruthless in the box, but it, it just felt like all it would take was somebody who could dribble with the ball in the center of, uh, from the take it from the center and run it up, like be a proper number nine. It, and, and then it was going to click. And it kind of feels like that's happened. I still think there's a, a problem with depth. Um, yeah. But a lot of teams have that problem. It's not sort of, you know, it's not, I think every fan feels like that's a uniquely their club problem. Um, and, you know, Arteta's right when he says these players have to get used to playing a lot like winning players play a lot um but but yeah no I yeah, it, I went, it, yeah that's a sort of long rambly answer for like is it too is it sooner than I thought probably <laughs> but it always felt like it would happen with this crowd 
But do you, it, I know what you mean when you say you expect it, it would happen eventually. But this, but the, the, I'm not necessarily in the Wolves game, but that's but the the last few games, the the, the level that we're playing at, and the kind of um, the machine that Arteta's turned them into. That's what I can't can't quite kind of mm. come to get get over yet. It's like yeah, Josh. No, I'd I'd agree. That victory at Chelsea, I think I might have touched on it last week, wasn't like a smash and grab win at Chelsea. That was a, we went there, we were a superior team by a distance. We limited Chelsea to so few opportunities. And at, even at 1-0 going into those final minutes, it wasn't maybe what we have experienced in the last couple of years of feeling like we're clinging on or we're going to throw it away and we're going to drop points. It, it was a really competent all-round performance. And so too, obviously, uh, at Wolves, they had a couple of moments in the game, but really, as soon as Arsenal got the goal at the start of the second half, you, you thought mm-hmm. this is this is three three points now. And, you know, at some point, particularly as I guess we may will slightly come out once they're 1-0 down, we were going to find a second and, and kill the game and do enough to, to win quite comfortably. So, yeah, the way we are doing it, is just as exciting. It doesn't feel like do you remember under Emery. Was it twenty-two games we went unbeaten? Yeah, I yeah. mean, it feels like a lifetime ago. And good luck to the yeah. guy winning, obviously, a Brighton with with his new Villa side. But there were points but, yeah, in because... that run where you thought this isn't quite reality, you know. Yeah. Whereas now it really is, and actually, yeah, because you know, and I think even Ronaldo in his interview with your with your mate that we're going to see even refers to like Arsenal yeah. being vastly superior to Man United in the one defeat of the season so yeah it's it is incredibly exciting and we couldn't have asked for any more especially on the back of what happened to man city on you know saturday lunchtime so yeah, yeah. can i just We're make it clear that. that josh josh is joking when he says interview with ronaldo with my mate piers morgan i'm in no way a, a friend of piers morgan's I've, what's it, happened boy have you had a fight he we he's just an objectionable um bellend isn't he i mean like you know <laughs> he, he has blocked me on twitter he has blocked me on twitter oh that's um, a claim to fame is what did you do to, to push fame. him over the edge? I, I just criticised him when he was in the middle of his pro-Trump period and, you know, would excuse anything that that... But we've all got a few things wrong. You wanted Arteta sack not that long ago. Steady. <laughs> this is one thing I was going to say, actually, was that, like, I, and I have to, again, be cautious because, I I mean, I, I've never really... I'm not, like, a big, loud kind of Arteta out, Arteta in uh, fan, mm. shouty person, but I was really wasn't impressed with Arteta and really thought he feels like a Lampard he feels like um mm. I've forgotten his name just gone out of my head the uh the uh Man United former player manager oh, Ole, Ole, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer yeah. Jesus Christ yeah um it felt like one of these player manager old legacy guys who's gonna yeah. fall and everyone thought Arteta was gonna be the first to be sacked I thought he was gonna be first to be sacked I kind of felt like the quality of the play the these players the quality of the purchasing was perhaps better than the quality of the manager now my feeling is have we accidentally stumbled upon a tactical genius like one of the future great managers and that will probably the truth is probably somewhere in the middle but um yeah. at the minute at the thing that's really that I didn't expect to happen whereas I saw this group of players might eventually click I didn't see Arteta suddenly having like the Arteta is a tactical genius world-class timeline um but I'm really enjoying that for as long as that'll exactly. carry on 
Exactly. That's the thing, isn't it? Because under you referred to the em- the Emery period. Even in that twenty two match unbeaten run period, we never it, it never. I remember. I don't ever remember thinking that we were dominating a game from start to finish over anyone, hardly. And it was always very helter skelter. And remember how I I remember. I have I have flashbacks to how hard it was for our um, players to advance the ball up the pitch. In, in almost every single game under Emery and quite a lot under in the early days of Arteta as well. It was like quite painful trying to kind of, you know, string a decent move together, attacking move together. And the defense had its issues as well. It was, it was all, it was all quite, it was all quite bad. And, and you're right. And it's honest if you say I'm the same. I'm, I honestly admitted in last week's podcast that uh, I came close to thinking we should get rid of Arteta at, during the depths of the period where we were playing terrible football under him in the Willian period and other, you know, other God. moments. And that I, yeah, remember? And, but and I was completely wrong. And, and and now I feel like, but now I feel the way he's got us dominating games, that's the thing. I think that really I can't, I find difficult to believe he's achieved so quickly that we've got that Man City style, absolute domination of the, of the opponent team pretty much every single week every time we play in the league that is not the cups are different but in the league not playing brilliantly we're still dominating and you still think oh there's no way we're going to lose this and that I find just astonishing how he sorted that out I think Jesus is a huge part of that as well. Like just, yeah, just yeah. watching him being there, like you, you, if, if you go when you go every week and you see he leads the press first. Whenever, even yeah. if I, Odegaard, I always think Odegaard is sort of the two players that the, the minute they're not on the pitch, the quality just plummets. Is um, Odegaard and Jesus, in, in my opinion. But like Odegaard will lead the press as well. Like he's very advanced. He presses, he presses, he presses. But Jesus is relentless. You'll see Odegaard get tired. You'll see him get like defensive, maybe like apprehensive of counters when they're tired. Jesus just never and he's up there and he's calling to everybody else to come with him so it's you know because Arteta used to bang on about like they're not doing what I want them to do they're not doing what I want them to do and you always wondered what is that and then you realise now he wants them to be chasing the ball all the time and chasing the player on the ball all the time shepherding the ball to where they want it to go Um, and instead you kind of have Oberolaka who are tired or who don't do that and, and a team that doesn't believe in itself that sits back and tries to absorb like a press um, so I think the additions have been a huge part of that as well. Yeah. Did you think, um, Josh, when um, I mean, when Shaka went off with his mystery illness, um, which which um, Arteta then said had affected four or five other players who just kind of soldiered on, that like, like there was a period where we 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 were struggling a little bit. I thought post like I do think it's true that one or two of our players, if they're so important that if they get injured or if they're not available or whatever it can become an issue. But then we just kind of like pulled ourselves together, it felt like to me, and re- reasserted our authority. And again, I always felt confident we were going to, it will be it will be fine in the end. Yeah, it, it definitely wasn't good news. And, and I think the fact that Arteta played Granite Xhaka from the beginning with him obviously not feeling very well probably shows how important Arteta feels about Xhaka. I guess in this day and age of five substitutes, the risk of doing that is a lot less than if you had three substitutes when you're thinking about taking someone off if it's not working on 10, 15 minutes. And and so it proved. I was a bit surprised to see Vieira come on. I just immediately, as I I saw Xhaka go down on his haunches, I thought this is a El Nene situation and the obvious thing. And credit to Arteta, it was quite a positive um, move. What I did like... And was quite interesting. I'm not sure if it was shown on telly. I haven't seen it back on telly. But when Jacka went down and the medical team came on, 
the other 10 players, I don't know if they showed this, all ran as if it was a timeout in the NFL. Yeah. All ran to Arteta. And Arteta yeah, was did, getting yeah. for, for like a minute. Yeah. And that was really interesting that he's like, right, I've watched 10 minutes of the game. I've got things to tell you now. And, you know, all the players were completely focused on on getting over there and, and getting that information. Um, credit, I guess. At first, I thought Vieira, he wasn't brilliant as he sort of had that first mm-hmm. 10, 15, 20 minutes of, of the game. But as the second half went on, and look, he obviously, you know, was the the absolute key in unlocking the Wolves defence for that first goal with his, um, you know, with the run that he made to receive the ball from, from Gabriel Jesus. And ultimately... Um, you know, won the game for Arsenal. So I think quite a bold substitution from from yeah. Arteta to go more positive was, than just El Nenny. Yeah. It was it was surprising, wasn't it, Sophie? I think a lot of us thought maybe I, I thought maybe you'd bring Tierney on and put Zinchenko further forward or something like that. Yeah, but I, I, very, very positive. He's so positive. Almost all decisions he makes, unless we're like in the lead with 10 minutes to go and he and he kind of, you know, yeah, exactly. But every other decision he's making at the moment is so positive. I think that that and that kind of like seems to spread throughout the team that confidence and positivity. Mm. And I think you know, I um, I remember that kind of. I, well, I can't quite remember what the subs were, but I remember feeling like that that bold, ambitious sort of substitutes had backfired when we played Man United, and that ended up yeah. being a bit of a mistake. So when I saw Vieira coming on for Xhaka, when I thought I had, I kind of anticipated exactly the same as you that Zinchenko might move forward, we'd get Tierney on, or we'll get El, El Neni, even though that's sort of too defensive. He, like he's that's two pivots and mm. and um is that really what Arteta wants to be doing and but Vieira felt like quite oh um okay well because he's not been playing he's not been playing fantastically in the Europa League but yeah. nobody really has like it's been fine but I, he does have moments of where I think he's really electrifying and there are other moments where I think he needs to buy new boots because he's always falling over he falls over more yeah. than any player I'm watching on the on yeah. the car he's so slight though isn't yeah. he's like one of the slightest players in, in, in the Premier League. I, I, he's like, seems such a little, a little guy. I kind of, that that's, I don't know if that matters, but that's how it looks to me. Now that I'm old and, and have injured my knee, I'm, uh, I, I look at all of them and I look at him and I'm like, you need to develop your knee stabilizers, man. You, 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 <laughs> you scream future meniscus problems. Um, but I'm now just triggered, I think. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, we should take a quick break and talk more about uh, the Wolves game and in general uh, what's happening with us and maybe the World Cup and Tony Adams and uh, lots of other stuff after this break. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And we're back from the break. Um... Yeah, I guess that... We should say that the performance against Wolves... Wasn't the best, was it? I mean, but if you look at the, the look at I was, I, whenever I feel like after a game like that, where I feel like we weren't at our best, and then I look at statistics, our pass accuracy was 89%. We had 63% of possession, 579 passes versus 348. Just all the stats point to the, 14 shots, by the way, four on target. I mean, could, and they, they completely had a defensive, you know, for, for the for large swathes of the game, they had 11 men behind the ball as well. So, I mean, we did pretty well. 
to to kind of never look like we we're going to lose that game and, and and essentially overcome them in the end. Josh. I... Oh, no, Sophie, go. Oh, no, go on, Josh. No, no, you go first, Sophie. You're the guest. People are very bored of hearing me. I'll come after you. <laughs> um, I think what's quite interesting is, I mean, I, I can only speak for myself, but I've certainly become used to now with Arsenal I, I get excited to go to Arsenal games in a way that I haven't before not just because oh I'm enjoying it now but because I anticipate blockbuster football I anticipate yeah. YouTube highlights football like really fun like gasp aloud moments and, and you've been getting it we've been getting it with Odegaard and Jesus and Xhaka you know moment it, it feels like peak TV of football with Arsenal at the moment. Um, And so when you just get a competent, well-drilled win, that now feels disappointing. (laughs) Whereas we absolutely, a season or two ago, would have gone, wow, the quality on show here. What what brilliance. The discipline, because we supposedly so lacked that for so long. Uh, And now I think that just feels a bit boring or a bit flat compared to what we know we can do. But when, in fact, like you say, you look at the statistics and in fact, it's very very good and I think it's just because now we've sort of been groomed into expecting blockbuster football every week that when it's just you know competent solid well-oiled that's like oh okay yeah yeah whereas in fact which is a really good point because Man City who I st- who I do feel Pep and Man City I feel like it's so obviously is the template that Arteta's following rather brilliantly they have they have periods i mean forgetting the unbelievable defeat on saturday even but in general like even in their seasons where they where they won when they you know won the league in the last few years they still have games where they dominate position but they don't play that brilliantly and they're not yeah. that exciting you know i often feel where he's actually achieved an even more exciting version of what pep's doing than pep has oh yeah I, and I, I mean people often complain about how boring man city are and i think part of that is the style but also part of that is the fact that they you know with all their money they buy the best players in the world and of course they're going to play well and I think the nice middle ground with Arsenal is they we just have an average Joe billionaire rather than a nation state um and we kind of have the players that we have who we've sort of grown half of them from the academy level and the others were like you know 21 22 and may and they're kind of playing flair football to the to the tune of Pep's well-oiled machine of Man City. So it feels like the best of all worlds at the minute, um, which is, I think, why it is really nice to watch. Yeah. Josh, I mean, I guess we should say, just talk about Odegaard scoring both goals. I mean, he's our top scorer in the league. I know we haven't got that many big scores with, I think, six. Um, But... You know, one of the things I think we all said about him was as brilliant as he is, and, you know, there's some fantastic passes and his little touches, but he needed to score more goals. Well, he is now scoring more goals. Yeah. And and look, someone has to at the moment because, you know, Gabriel Jesus, and I'm not criticising him, he's, he's not scoring, but then he is obviously coming out wide and, and doing a lot, you know, involved in the games. But even, so the goals have got to be spread around. Um, and yeah, Odegaard has, has absolutely stepped up a brace, um, you know, on, on Saturday. And, uh, yeah, I mean, he's one of the, I think, I think of our starting 11 on Saturday, eight of them are, are off to the world cup. He's obviously one of those that isn't, he'll be taking part in these friendlies that we seem to be organizing. So it'd be, you know, interesting how the, you know, the players that aren't going to the world cup compared to the ones that are, but I, I think the wider point that, we were discussing on the way home from from Wolves in the in the car was eight of our eleven 
not only are going to the World Cup, but eight or 11 have played every single league game, started every single league game. Now, by comparison, Man City have only got three players who have started every single Premier League game this season. So I think that tells you two things. One, that we've been incredibly fortunate to have a team that we can basically put out the same team pretty much every every week. It's really only sort of Zinchenko that you maybe say has been unavailable um, for, for you know an amount of games where you would have expected him to play if he was fit. And two, that our strength in depth is a step below what Man City's will be. And if we can't cope and we get injuries and we get suspensions, what can come off our bench is, is not a touch on theirs. I sort of feel comfortable with fullbacks and Tomiyasu and, and Tierney, but the problem is slightly below that. It is, you know, what what will Lukonga bring or El Nelly or Reese Nelson or Cedric or Rob Holding or... You know, Marquinhos. I don't know how far down you know our squad we go, but the 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 depth is is not there. So it's I I don't know if there's another team that have even got eight. You know, I I doubt it. There is in the Premier League who have started as many games as we have. So for us to have done it and to be top is a is a pretty unique set of circumstances. Yeah. So for you, one of those Arsenal fans, are you like happy for our players that are going to be in the World Cup? And excited to watch them in the World Cup, or are you? Sl- would you rather have had fewer of our players in the World Cup so that we Arsenal could have had a less chance of injuries, etc.? No, I never really think that way. Sadly, I probably should, but um, I, I, no, I'm always just excited to watch Arsenal players play football. So the more of them, I, I, I root for them like they're my children. Like when Ben White got his call up, I was like texting my phone, Benny Blanco's finally going to the World <laughs> Cup. Like you know, I, I, I get really excited about. I, I watch, you know. I, I, you know, I, I get invested in England initially because there's Arsenal players in there, and then I kind of can bring myself to cheer on Harry Kane. Um, hmm. And um, no, I love watching them play. I, I feel incredibly proud when, like, I mean, the, the the pride and the heartbreak ultimately, like when Saka became the shining light for the England squad at the Euros, and everyone was talking about Saka, and we were like, we saw him first, we loved him first, and obviously then the heartbreak of that final moment. But it felt like I don't know it just felt like your your nephew was out there, and you were going, I know him, he's he's one of ours, uh, and I yeah. love that feeling, I really do, because um, I prefer like club football to national football mostly. So yeah, I start liking the England team through the Arsenal players. So that's my entry point. I'm very excited for this. Uh, uh, are, you, are you ready for the World Cup? Board? I'm getting quite excited. I'm going out for a bit of it. So I'm, I I know. I'm biased in, in terms of excitement. But there's every chance now, isn't there, that Ben White plays. It's sort of amazing yeah. turnaround. He probably wasn't yeah. in the squad at the start of the season in terms of people's expectations. But when you've got players in form, then uh, in the top of the league and, you know, play every game, it's, it's hard to leave them out. And even just watching a bit of Sky Sports today, there's a, f- a fair few pundits sort of making a case for Ramsdale, even though the expectation is Southgate's loyalty season stick with Pickford. But, you know, it's... Um, I think... I think, a of I think was, boys to support. I think um, uh, Ben White will play uh, in the first game. I think Saka will play. I, I would be amazed if... Um, if the goalkeeper plays, um, yeah. just because he, yeah, he, the, I, I think he's only going to drop, um, what's his name? <laughs> the Pickford. goalkeeper, John Thank Pickford. You, Pickford. Thank you, Jordan Pickford. You know, I am going to see now. I forget everyone's name. But you gave um, me Ollie, so yeah, you true, Pickford, true. Yeah. Thank you, thank you. I can have Pickford. I think he only drops Pickford if Pickford really, really screws up somehow, you know, and um, then he would, then you might think about changing. But I really think I'd be surprised if Ben White and Saka don't both play in that first game. 
And um, I find it, I'm, I'm, I, I, I'm with Sophie, like I feel it's like watching members of my family, my sons um, playing football. And it's incredibly exciting. I think Ben White totally deserves it. And I just think Saka, I think he like, I think Saka is like, but has that, he has that combination of, it's really hard to get the ball for him once he's dribbling away. Although he didn't have the best of times necessarily against that Wolves defender on Saturday, but still in the end, he did have a couple of moments where he did beat that beat their fullback and got into really dangerous positions and launched some really brilliant crosses. And his corners are fantastic this season, mm. I wanted to say. I remember th- thinking he's really improved his corner taking um, and his set-piece uh, balls, etc. But he's also incredibly um, hardworking and reliable in defensively he'll track back. So I just think, I think he's got that all, all the all the requirements um, that Gareth Southgate, Gareth Southgate wants from one of his wide players. So I would be surprised surprised if he doesn't pick Saka. Mason Mount hasn't been in the best of form as you you know and all of that. So um I think I think they'll both play and I can't wait. It feels it's it's a week today, right? We're recording this Monday and a week today Arsenal would have already played their first game. I think it's a one o'clock. England. Uh, it's England. England. <laughs> Thank you. England. <laughs> Freud is like, <laughs> yeah. England would have played their first World Cup game and even and I am really excited about it, even with the whole moral issue of the whole thing fucking taking place in this hellhole that is Qatar. How are you dealing, Sophie, with that? Just a quick touch base on the moral mm. issue. There was an interesting, I don't know if you saw on Sky last night, after the game, after the um, Man U game, they had a Gary Neville documentary about God, um, Qatar. Yeah. And despite the fact that he is taking Qatari money to commentate for, uh, there, he did, I thought the documentary was really good because he touched upon all the issues and he did actually ask Qatari officials about um, the situation for LGBTQ people and he t- talked about the horrendous conditions of the workers. He actually went into one of the camps where the workers are based that built, worked on the stadia, etc. And kind of it was actually a really good documentary. But what what's your feeling currently about you know how to deal with the World Cup on a moral basis? <laughs> Oh, I'm I'm so morally compromised because uh, yeah, my 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 think my feeling about most things is I hate this. This is terrible. There are a million reasons it's objectionable, but my act of protest means nothing, so I may as well not. Which is, you know, the reason why terrible things happen all over. People like me going, never mind. Oh well, what can I do about it? I'll just keep watching. Um, in fairness, I have a lot of friends, a lot of teammates who are boycotting, and weirdly, there've been a lot of like little kind of talks about should we go and play football when it's on and things like that. My new kind of argument is, guys. I'm literally going to be in a brace and crutch for six weeks. Like all I'll be able to do is watch the World Cup. So in in the spirit of my personal recovery, I shall be watching the World yeah. Cup. Now I'll pr- yeah. probably yeah I will watch it. I I uh, because I'm morally compromised, but at the same time think it's. Um, I mean, what's new? It's abhorrent. It's um, I've I was just um, I, and it's been this way for decades. Um, you know, Qatar won Qatar. I mean. They say we must say that uh, Qatar, uh, Qatar um, is adamant that they did not um, pay 150 billion dollars in bribes to yeah. FIFA to win uh, by uh, the uh, World Cup. But <laughs> think on that what you will. Um, but twas ever thus, you know, corrupt regimes sort of buying soft power by going through corporations who have control over these international events. 
it's gross but what else is new and we we individually contribute to these terrible things every day and we kind of pick and choose our battles i think it's important as individuals that you can't bear the burden of um, mm. every great global catastrophe that you can do nothing about so you just have to personally pick what your your that your, your not your red line because i think all of it's a red line but you have to yeah. pick your personal yeah. battles and right now because i'm la- i'm going to be laid up i will probably watch the world cup mainly just to support my boy saka yeah, fair enough. Uh, yeah, it's, I, I'm the same. I, I, I am morally weak, and I think I really admire anyone who is boycotting it. I admire their um, sacrifice, etc. But four mm. games a day, four games a day, hook me in. You know, hook me up to those extra, four games a day for like the first couple of weeks. What of the time? Tournament. What time are they um, on? I don't even know. They're going to be nine. Yeah, nine a.m., one a.m., four p.m., seven p.m. Our time. Four a.m. No? or four p.m. 4 p.m. No. Is that right, no, Josh? One, no? Have I got it uh, wrong? No, Go I on. think one, one four seven ten. I think, was uh, uh, on Qatari time. Is that all right? So then, Yeah, 10, no, I'm t- one, I was talking about our time. Sorry. Oh, right. Okay. No, I think... Time. Uh, I think 10 a.m. Yeah, is that right? 10 a.m., yeah. Oh, 10 a.m. Okay, 10 a.m. Yeah. All I know is that this you morning... Can get, is definitely if you want be... the build-up, maybe, you'd be ready at 9. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, some of ITV's coverage starts at nine on those morning games because so they dispense with um, Lorraine and this morning. If you, if you, uh, oh know. no, yeah, yeah. what's yeah. going to happen? Yeah. Oh god, what's going to happen to your like you know your reality TV fans? I think somebody said, does it disrupt Love Island or something? Um, I don't think it does disrupt Love Island. It, it disrupts. I'm a celebrity a bit. I'm a celebrity. You have to wait till if ITV's big primetime games for uh, for World Cup games to finish, and then. I'm a celebrity will start slightly later, but Love Island won't be back until the new year. So for you, be pleased to know. So that's fine. I don't, I mean, I, that's even more of a red line for yeah. me. So that's yeah, all right. Enough. Fair enough. <laughs> they yeah. could disrupt Matt Hancock into an early grave as far as I'm concerned. That's Absolutely. Fine. Yeah. But Josh, so Josh, you're, when are you flying out and where are you flying to and how's it all going to work for you? Well, I'm going to Dubai, um, like Arsenal, um, just just so happens. And, and it sounds like I might be there while Arsenal have a friendly there. So you never know. I might, might get the rather unique experience of, of watching Arsenal, but we'll worry about that. So I'm going off to Dubai um, in about 10 days, uh, 12 days' time. So I'll be there for the last group game. Her plan is go to England, Wales at the moment, and then go to the round of 16s. But I am just going to be sort of in and out to Qatar. I'm not really planning to be in Qatar for, for too much time. Um, I guess I have the excuse of work to, to justify um, going and uh, and being there part of it. But I think a, a huge amount of people are going to Dubai and Abu Dhabi and just flying in and out. There are 20, 25 flights a day on effectively shuttles going in and mm. out because in part they don't have enough accommodation in in Doha. So they've, you know, very proactively encouraged people to to do, you know, do exactly that and stay in other countries and fly in. And, you know, you don't need quite the same level of um for example, anyone going to Qatar this has had to register where they're staying and, and and everything like that. Whereas if you're just going in and out for 24 yeah. hours, you you don't need to do that. You can just say you're in and out for 24 hours and show a flight ticket. So it is, um, yeah, I'm I'm excited to go to World Cup. I've been to I went to South Africa for three weeks of South Africa in 2010. I went for 10 days of Brazil in 2014. I went for over two weeks of, of 2018 and, you know, amazing England moments of, of being Colombia on penalties and being about, you know, one of 3,000 England fans to go to Samara to see England beat Sweden and, you know, get through to a semi-final and see England leading in a World Cup semi-final against Croatia. It's not the same as watching Arsenal and, you know, those big moments and Champions League finals, but I do like England and have travelled and seen England all over the all over the world now. So, 
um it'll be pretty special i think just to go and uh and be there for another world cup and uh intrigued i did see the uh mm. fan park beer prices today were were really oh i think we're looking at 19 dollars for wow. a uh, for a beer wow. yeah and yeah, i thought they wise. showed the, they showed some of the accommodation on the documentary last night this this going everything and and they, they they're putting they're putting fans on the beach in tents on the beach hundreds of tents you know like you know people would sleep rough on the beach they're actually that is part of the official um, qatari accommodation for fans and they're putting them up in a massive um like ocean liner which which ha- which houses 3400 people or something and a lot of fans can stay there go on josh yeah well, well there are there are there were two big cruise ships that were uh, yeah. going to be sort of sat in doha for the month and then there was actually a third one added very late only about a week ago um to cope with sort of additional demand my, my understanding is actually the england uh friends and family are on one of these uh cruise ships oh, so wow. i think a, a thought process being that there will be you know, all all international cuisines. I think you'll be able to drink because you're, you know, effectively, you know, not uh, in Doha. So they've got the relevant licenses to be able to have drink, and you know, there's loads of activities. So I think um, I, I think various sort of friends, families of, of different squads will actually be on there just because it's sort of a uh, yeah, maybe a, a more familiar type of accommodation to what to what they'll be used to. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's totally unique. There are incredible sort of accommodation options of you know tents in the desert. Look, maybe it'll be you know very unique experiences that people um, enjoy. I think um, it sort of felt like it's really started today, hasn't it? Once the Premier League was done, and seeing a few of the sort of reporters go, um, I know certainly working with the ex-players who are going out for punditry. The first few who we work with are going out, you know, on Wednesday and will be there and start to do their reports from Thursday. And yeah, it's uh it's it's come up quickly, but like you said, Boyd, four games a day of football to potentially enjoy. I mean, it's yeah. difficult to uh it's difficult to complain, isn't it? Who are you tipping, Boyd? Who's your who's your tip for the win? Well, I was gonna I was gonna ask, yeah, what, you like how, a prediction how, and it feels strange. I like a prediction. I mean, we could predict the West Ham result now if you fancy. <laughs> Because <laughs> I know Boxing you like to Day, be we'll, ahead of yourself. No, no, no. We'll wait. We'll wait for that. We can wait for that. But I would like a prediction, yeah, from us all on how far a how far we think England will go, and b who will win the World Cup. Um, I think so, England will. Well, if England win their group and France win their group, they're set to both meet in the quarterfinal, assuming they both then would win their round of sixteen ties. And I think that's where yeah. it sadly might end for England. And I think France. I think France going all the way is. Um, is my prediction. Sophie, what do you think? I, I'm the same. I mean, we I sort of predicted we might go out the round of 16 just because I know friendlies are meaningless, but we've looked terrible the last few mm. times we've played. We've looked really terrible. Our kind of big guns who were so exciting in 2018 and in the Euros are just a bit old now and a bit crocked and in terrible form in the, for their clubs. And I feel like the newer players are sort of probably too new to... There's like there's a perfect blend of age and a lack of experience. So I don't know. Maybe it'll all click together and be really exciting and magical, kind of like the Euros, or it'll be a really depressing turn from us. And I'm a little bit worried it's going to be the latter. And I think France are going to smash it. And William Saliba is going to do the business and become like the most expensive player in the world. Yes, yes. Well, I have to choose someone different. I can't say France as well, even though I, I slightly... I, I'm going to go for Brazil. I, I think I, I'm... 
you know, I think look, their squad is absolutely fucking incredible. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's slightly miraculous that our players kind of squeaked in. I mean, famously on like a week ago, the rumor was Martinelli wasn't going to make it into the squad, but he did in the end. Um, I looked so happy about it. There was a, did you see old Sky had a brilliant interview with the two of them? Yes, uh, they said he cried together. for an hour. Yeah, he cried for an hour. That was yeah, brilliant. Very sweet. So sweet. Um, yeah, so I, I'll go for Brazil. I'll go for Brazil. And I think I kind of agree that I think England will probably, if, yeah, they'll definitely lose to France if if both of us do go through. I think that's the case. So I'll say quarterfinals for England. And it's weird, isn't it, how quickly things change? It's weird. It's odd how we've gone from finalists in the Euros and looking like, you know, we could have won that game quite easily in various ways to to kind of having a, a terrible, particularly terrible defence. Like the fact that he's stuck with Harry Maguire and all of that. Does is a worry, isn't it? That's why I think I hope that Ben White is in is, is picked because I think he could. I think he, the, the, our defense needs his help quite badly. Mm-hmm. Well, look, I mean, there hasn't been huge turnover in sort of squads, um, no. but it's it's in terms of form, isn't it? Because if you do look at that England team, say Jordan Pickford in a largely Everton struggling team, you know Harry Maguire isn't playing for Manchester United. Even Luke Shaw has been in and out at some points of season has come back, but Malassia was keeping him out for a while. Calvin Phillips has. Barely kicked a ball um, all season. Mason Mount hasn't been in the form that that he's shown. Raheem Sterling, I don't think, has you know shone incredibly in his no. opening couple of months at Chelsea. Um, look, Henderson hasn't probably been as pivotal to, to Liverpool in a struggling Liverpool side mm-hmm. um, this season, and probably the list the, the list goes on. So there are yeah there are lots of question marks against sort of players that took England to that final a year ago. So. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, there is less expectation exactly because of what Sophie just said, because of how poor some of the performances have been in the Nations League and, um, you know, the yeah. last six months. And, um, yeah, the expectation isn't, isn't what it could be. But you sit back and look at the team and you start to think, well, hang on, there's some real players here, especially going forward and Bellingham and Foden and... You know, yeah. Jack Grealish, yeah. you know, there's some lovely footballers yeah. in there yeah. that make you think on their day. And the all it will take is like pumping Iran three or four nil, which may well happen. And suddenly everyone will, will start to dream again. So well, here's hoping this time next week, that's what we're, that's what we're thinking. And that, that's it. And that's where my kind of feelings about the fact that like you've got Harry Maguire and Harry Kane and Jordan Henderson, and it's all just a little bit passe and that like maybe our new guys are sort of too new, too inexperienced, could all just be total bollocks in a week's time when it turns out that actually all they needed was you know to take the take the center stage and uh, be mm. given that opportunity and then shine like you know bellingham is clearly a few games away from you know he's already sort of world class but you know i think if he's given if if he, if calvin phillips isn't fit enough to start in that central midfield and bellingham's given that chance like i you know either he kind of really underwhelms or he like wins it for us so, like it's it's one of those it could be really exciting but it could also be disappointing <laughs> What's well, a quick, quick final word, Boyd, from you on, on Ronaldo? Um, oh, I Fancy think him at in, Arsenal. Absolutely fuck not. Off. No, I think yeah, fuck off. Exactly. Yeah, I think it's an example of of, of an egomaniac. You know, um, aging egomaniac. I mean, he's let's talk about sense of privilege. He's complaining about the swimming pool. You know, Man United and the then the and the food. And I'm like, oh, you know, I'm sure it's fine. You just fucking deal with it. Uh, uh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely tedious. I mean, it, it's harder to work out who's a bigger self-absorbed egomaniac, um, him or Piers Morgan himself, who conducted the interview, obviously. Oh um, 
So, yeah, no. But, but going back to Arsenal, before we end, before we draw this uh, last podcast for a while, although we said, Josh, we'd try and do one, didn't we, in the middle of the, just to kind of check up on how the Arsenal players are doing. Um, yeah, do maybe, that. you know, uh, I'm sure the Arsenal will have a, but a couple of these friendlies, right? They've yeah. officially released what they're doing. There's kind of been rumours of who they're playing. It's like rumours of something really exciting, oh, isn't it? Like PSG or something. Barcelona, was it? I thought right. it was a game yeah. against Barcelona at the Emirates or something going on, as well as a is it a game against Milan in Dubai, boys? What are your what are your sources saying? No, I've heard similar, yeah, but but nothing confirmed. Yeah, they'll, they'll both be really interesting, yeah. Um I should say I'm taking. I'm going to be a guest on Never Write Off the Germans, which is the every time there's a major international tournament, they, um, the people who produce this podcast do a general World Cup slash tournament based podcast. And I'm going to be doing that on Wednesday, I believe. I think if anyone cares. And oh, I just wanted to. Make, I'm going to plug my. I've got going back to Arsenal quickly in a minute. I'm going to plug my interview with um, Virgil Van Dyke in the new issue of Circle Zero Eight magazine. Uh, look it up. It'll be in all swanky news agents, and you can buy it online. And that's out on Thursday. I wanted to say that. And bef- oh, going back to Arsenal. Sorry, Sophie. Yeah, what did you say? Oh no, I just said that's exciting. <laughs> it is exciting. Yeah, he was lovely. He, he, he was great, Virgil Van Dyke. Going back to Arsenal, the final prediction we have to make is: bearing in mind, let's just emphasise we are five points ahead of Man City. We're going into the Christmas and New Year period, top of the league by five points. We are playing unbelievable football. It's an incredible, the best ever start to the season. So where do you think we are going to end up in the end, Sophie? Um, If the World Cup wasn't happening, I'd say second or third. And I'm only being slightly pessimistic in the third thing, just because of our previous form in bottling it at the last minute. But I think in terms of quality and the consistency we've shown so far, and just statistically what happens to teams who have this level of points by this point um yeah it should be second um and then if we bottled it third if you include the world cup god only knows if they all break their legs sixth seventh who knows so oh, no. yeah. if we lose yeah. jay i mean we won't lose odegaard unless you know but someone at barcelona trips him up uh, or someone in milan kills him in dubai but um yeah, Saka, Jesus, yeah, who knows? So I just think the World Cup and how they come back, their mental, their mental well-being, how they've performed. Mm, mm. Um, it's such an unknown. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. yeah, transfer window. Yeah, so I just couldn't call it with the World Cup in there. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, I kind of agree. I think I'll now be. I think I'll be disappointed if we don't finish at least second. Now, I think most. It, it's just. It's just been such a situation it feels weird it, it will feel like a disappointment if we finish third but you know the beginning of the season we would have been insane I would have been insanely happy with that Josh <laughs> what are you feeling now yeah there was another discussion going on one of my whatsapp groups of would you take second now and absolutely not but purely because there's no difference really between second third or fourth so you know we have to uh we have to embrace the idea that a title challenge is possible Saturday was the first time on the way home that I started to think maybe, you know, really maybe. Why not? Like, you know, mm. because of such a swing, mm. I can't just say, you know, Man City's expectation to, to beat Brentford at home and a little bit of encouragement, even if no points were gained from the way they really struggled to get a win against Fulham in the, you know, the previous week and needed a sort of fortuitous maybe penalty in the 95th minute. Oh. So maybe Saturday was a time where you go, well, why not? Yeah, that was they, unbelievable. You look at the two sides, yeah. you wouldn't say yeah. Arsenal are anywhere different to where they deserve to be. But hand on heart, because of the depth of squad, mm. 
second feels like the most likely thing. But it will be intriguing what the club do if, well, we, okay, we, we could just about lose our two games before the January transfer window opens and, and not find ourselves top. But realistically, we're top going into the transfer window. Do they think, well, hang on, this is this is the hell of an opportunity and do we get two, three more players of serious quality and we kind of go hell for leather to sort of win the Premier League? Kind of safe in the knowledge Champions League football is pretty much looking not certain, but not miles off certain. Um, maybe that does give you more confidence to go in the transfer window because of that, you know, financial yeah. windfall that should be back with the club next year and everything that brings. Well, we were linked so, today, weren't we, with Michaelo Mudrik? Well, well, we've been um, linked with him for, for a while. Time. Yeah. yeah. He's great. Yeah. I like him. I like yeah, him. Yeah, he looks brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. That I was mean, a very so... long winded answer, but it was good. No, I like a long winded answer. Second. 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 I think. Yeah, second. So. Let's stick with second. We will be happy yeah. with second. Um, we should uh draw it to a close now. Thank you, Sophie, so much for joining us. You've been uh, brilliant. Thank and, you. It's been so fun. Um, thank you. And thank you, Josh. Uh have a lovely time out there. Um, try and cope with the uh the, the mysterious ways of the Qatari nation, etc. Um, and uh, it's all very exciting. Um, well, that was a lame ending, wasn't it, to this podcast? But there we go. Um, we'll be you back. You don't usually apologise, boy. It's nice of you to apologise to listeners. I thought I had a special apology for a lame, lame way of ending the podcast. Um, but yeah, I mean, five points out of Man City, top of the league. Ooh. It is unbelievable. Can't wait to find out what happens. Cheers. Bye. If you want to advertise on or sponsor this show, check us out at playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.